Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. You ready to move higher in God? You want greater reality? A greater depth of understanding? You want to walk with Him more intimately? You want to experience a greater measure of the wonders of His person? You willing to make that sacrifice? That is the one that it takes to experience those greater things in Him? Come on now, I only heard two yeses. Everybody else wants all the goods, but they don't want to make the sacrifice. Isn't that human nature? Amen. We want all the fixings, but we don't want to do the labor. We shouldn't be like that. Praise God. We should open up our hearts to Him and be dedicated and consecrated so we can have these things in our lives. Everybody wants the victory. But who wants to fight the battles? Come on. Where are you at in God? I challenge you tonight. Get out of that place. You say, but I like it here. Well, there's a better place. There's a higher place. There's more to have. You want it? He offers it. We better pray. Father God, we look to you in Jesus' name, believing that your Spirit will quicken us and change us from glory to glory and move us to higher than you. Your Word will become a living thing alive within us and will be quickened thereby. Father, I thank you for ears to hear, for hearts to receive and minds to be open and to know the truth that makes us free. And we'll be quick to give you all the praise, honor, and glory that you're deserving for, uh, for all that's accomplished among us. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Glory to God. I want to talk to you tonight about the baptism of God. The baptism of God. You say, you mean the baptism in the Holy Ghost? Well, I do mean that, but I'm calling it the baptism of God. Why? Just to strike our thinking. Just to get us out of our religious tradition. Just to wake us up on a Wednesday evening. Hallelujah. Amen. It's the baptism of God. Acts chapter 1 verse 5. It says, For John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. Verse 8. But ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. And chapter 2, verse 1 says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Beloved, this subject is a subject surrounded by much controversy in the body of Christ. If the devil could keep us at the table of debate, you know, he would destroy our effectiveness in God. And that's exactly what he endeavors to do. Are you nitpicking out there tonight? You nitpicking in the things of God? Or you want to break loose from that nitpicking and move on to victory? 
Sometimes people spend so much time arguing a point, they never move on. That's the truth. I'm not going to argue any point with anybody. I'm moving on. And if they want to stay back there at the table, let them stay. I'm moving on, up and out. Getting on in the things of God. I want more. What about you? I'm getting greedy. What about you? I mean greedy for God. What about you? Hungrier for God. What about you? I've tasted. I've seen. I know the Lord is good. Hallelujah. I want more of God, don't you? You see, beloved, there are different views. Actually, three when it comes to this particular subject. There's the view of the individual who wants to be in the ditch on the left-hand side of the road. They're the conservative bunch. The refined group. The dignified ones. I would never, 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 never yet submit myself to speaking in another language. I'm saved and that's all there is to it. And once you've been saved, you have all of God there is. How shallow. How unfortunate. How sad. You see, beloved, the weak Christian always gravitates towards the imperfect. Uh-oh, did he really say that? Yes, I did. Yes, I did. The Bible says, be strong in the Lord. I said, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Not weak. Yes, you'll be challenged when you get out of that boat. Amen, you will. But don't be weak, be strong. Get up out. Move on with God. There's more to have. You can't sit there and actually think you have all of God. If you're intelligent. Come on. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. (laughs) You can't actually think you have all of God and think like that. There's more God to have. If you'll make room. I said, if you'll make room. You ready to make some room tonight? Are you ready to elevate your soul? Yes. Are you ready to climb out of the depths of conservativeness All right. and move on into the reality of God? All right. I'm going to hold you to it. <laughs> then again, you have the, the other extreme that is on the other side of the road. You have another ditch. It's called the extreme of wildfire and excess. And I mean to tell you, there's a whole bunch in that ditch also. A stream of people in that ditch. You say, well, can you describe that? Oh, yes, I really can describe that. They're the ones that blame everything on the Holy Ghost. Everything they do is blamed on the Holy Ghost. From barking to vomiting. Amen. Amen. To addressing police officers in other tongues after getting picked up for speeding. All the way to prophecies that are meaningless and have no spiritual impetus whatsoever. What's gotten into you? God. The Holy Ghost. What do you mean by that? Just what I said. Well, but everything that happens in church isn't of God. Amen. We have to have some discernment. We have to know what the Holy Ghost is doing and what He's not doing. And we've got to be bold about it. There's a move of God in the earth today. 
And whenever there's a move of God, there's always going to be a move of the devil. You might as well just get that straight. Why? Because he wants to destroy the move of God and the work of God and get people off on tangents that will take them away from the true purpose of God in that move. Come on, say amen. And so he's also going to throw things in that will cause people to move to the extreme. It's not an easy thing to stay on the straight and narrow, beloved. But God wants us there. See, those are the ones that view... God differently. They seek to be made more perfect in God. They want to move out and step out in the perfection of God. They have a burning desire within their heart to know God, His character, and His power intimately. They're not satisfied with sitting back and having nothing. And they're not satisfied with the excess in the wildfire. And thinking that all there is to God is maybe doing a few wild things. They're concerned about knowing the true God. The true move of God. The true power of God. The true work of God. And their souls are dedicated to it. They're the ones that believe the things of God should be approached with reverence and holy awe. And beloved, I want to state to you tonight that the baptism of God that we call the baptism of the Holy Ghost and fire is to be considered a holy work of God. A holy move of God. A holy manifestation of the living God in the human life in the earth that needs to be reverenced and revered, considered holy, and pursued. God doesn't take it lightly when people sit back and say, I don't need that in my life. Who are you kidding? I understand that we all believe in Jesus and the shed blood of the Lamb. And praise God, we have common ground right there. But you know what? It's time to rise up and recognize that this baptism of God was obtained at a high price. Listen carefully. You see, the ones that want this Perfection in God are the ones that know that Jesus said in John 16, 7, it's expedient for you that I go, for if I do not go, the Comforter will not come. So what price did He have to pay? He lived. He bled. He died. He entered the darkness of death, hell, and the grave. He arose. He ascended after defeating the devil and his bunch. Listen. He secured our redemption and sat at the Father's right hand and sent the promise of the Spirit. That's what it cost. His life. His blood. And someone says, I don't need it. I beg to differ with you. You don't need it. Why did he die for it? Why did he pay such an awful price? 
You see, beloved, our minds have got to be elevated. We've got to start thinking like God thinks. Those that believe on Him should receive the Holy Ghost. Those that believe on Him should invite His indwelling presence. For they are in need of His presence in their lives. In dire need. And if anyone can sit back and say, I don't need this experience, they need it more than they think. For they are deluded and they are deceived. It's only fitting, beloved, that because Jesus did all that to obtain this blessing in the lives of God's people, that He should be the one, as John spoke of and said, to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. You see that? Remember John said that about Jesus? There's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. And when he comes, he will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The baptism of God is given by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Why? Because he's the one that obtained it. He's the one that died, shed his blood, and did all that we just said he did so that you and I could receive this baptism from on high. Well, look at Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, if you would, please. Go on back there. Jesus is the one that bestows upon believers the incoming of God's very life. He bestows upon them the incoming of God's power, His presence, the glories of His person. You see, the baptism of God is not just a baptism of power, as so many think. When we read this verse in Acts 1.8, sometimes there's a tendency to emphasize the word power. You shall receive power. And people think it's a baptism of power, dunamis, miracle power. It is not as much a baptism of power as it is a baptism of the person of God. The life of God. The glories of God. See, sometimes little things can distract us and get us to think wrong. And wrong thinking minimizes the power and might of God in the human life. And as I said, the devil wants to keep you thinking small. Well, beloved, after tonight you're going to think big. I'm telling you, you are not going to take a back seat to defeat any longer after you hear what you have to hear by the Holy Ghost tonight. You shall receive power after that. After what? After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. In other words, when Jesus baptizes you, there'll be a baptism of the very person of God Himself in the person of the Holy Ghost. The third person of the Godhead is going to move into your being until your entire being is saturated with the life of God. I'm talking from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, out to your hands and your fingers. I'm talking about your brain being bombarded with resurrection life, the life of God, the living God. Moving in to you, lock, stock, and barrel. Coming all the way in, taking up residency inside you until every cell in your body has become the residence of God. 
You know, this is the intended purpose of God in the baptism. Not just to give us a gift. Not just to give us some power. But to give us Himself. This is that long-awaited day. A long-awaited for day. That's what God was waiting for. He wanted to move in to you, to me, to human beings on earth. And in so doing, change them from the inside out. How? By occupying space in their lives. See, it's not just power, beloved. It's the receiving of the presence of God Himself. An incoming of the person of the living God. An indwelling of the third person of deity. Deity moving into you. Living in you. I want you to turn with me to the book of Exodus, if you would, please, because I want to really challenge our minds. In this book of Exodus in chapter 3, we have a revelation of what takes place when the third person of the Godhead enters in to the very heart of the human being. In what is called the spirit baptism or the baptism of God. You see, beloved, it's not just a gift that you received. It's not just a gift of power that enables you to win the lost. It's beyond that. It's more than that. It is God Himself. I know I said it once before, but I'm going to say it again. It is God Himself. It is God Himself. It is God in the third person of deity, the Holy Ghost, moving in to your innermost being until every fiber of your being is electrified with the very life of God Himself. Until every hair on your head glows with the life of God. Until your fingertips have shafts of light of the life of God flowing out from you until your feet walk only on holy ground, separating themselves from the world and the lust thereof because of the holiness of the life of God that has occupied every cell of your body. It's until every part of your being is consumed with God. It's not just so that you can speak in tongues. Oh, but we debate this for hours with people. Let them stay at the debating table. I'm moving on in God. I've settled that issue. God got so a hold of me, I had to pray in tongues. It had to come out somewhere. And it did. In Exodus chapter 3, beginning at verse 2, you see, beloved, the emphasis is not on power. But the emphasis is in or on a life of a person called deity entering into you. And the angel, this is verse 2, And the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked and behold, the bush burned with fire 
and the bush was not consumed. And Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. And he said, here I am. And he said, draw not nigh hither. Put off thy shoes from off thy feet. For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Listen carefully. The baptism of God is holy ground. Did you hear that? Pentecostals have been criticized and ridiculed. And some of it we've brought on ourselves because of the excess and wildfire and fanaticism. The conservatists, the refined ones, the dignified ones want to have nothing to do with it. Why? Because they might get embarrassed. Well, Paul's not ashamed of the gospel and neither should we be. Doesn't matter where the ditches are. We can walk on the straight and narrow. The baptism of God is a holy place. And I would venture to say any person trying to debate the issue should be silent. If you're not going to pursue it, be silent. Don't speak out against it. It's a holy place as far as God is concerned. And if you're off doing wildfire, crazy things, you better reevaluate your stand and position because it's a holy place as far as God is concerned. This burning bush represented the holy presence of a living God. And when Moses began to approach that presence, and remember the Holy Ghost and fire, the fire of God, the presence of God there in that place, not consuming the bush, but burning there at the bush, Beloved, that's what takes place on the inside of us. God considered it holy. He said, take your shoes off. This is a holy place. And don't forget that, he said. The baptism of the Holy Ghost is holy ground. And it should be considered that among believers. But you see, beloved, we have viewed it in modern Christianity as something you can take or leave. Or something you can choose to do with as you please. I believe this move of God in the earth today is God attempting to capture our minds and our thinking once again. Taking us back to a place where we recognize the things of God as being holy. Where we recognize that we are not the ones to be in control. That He is the one who is to be in control of our lives as we allow Him through submission and humility, to flow through us after filling us. Turn with me to first or Second Chronicles chapter 5, if you would, please. The fire represents the holy presence of God, for the presence of God is holy. It is a holy place. Those that approach it must do so with reverence, and with respect. We must view it as God views it and not as we think we should. Regardless of the position people have, I believe they should reevaluate their thinking and elevate it to begin thinking the way God thinks about things that pertain to His kingdom and His person. 
You didn't just receive tongues when you got filled with the Holy Ghost. It wasn't just the ability to pray to God and sing out in a brand new language. Something that greater than that happened. It wasn't just power to heal the sick that you received. Beloved, something greater than that happened. Something more powerful than that happened. Something more meaningful than that happened. Thank God for the effect, but there's a greater cause. In 2 Chronicles chapter 5, in these Old Testament references, the Lord is trying to capture our thinking. He is trying to let us understand certain things that are about to take place. Examples, illustrations, teaching us. Listen. In verse 11, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place... For all the priests that were there were sanctified and did not then wait by course. Also the Levites, which were the singers, all of them of Asaph and Haman, and judgeth them with their sons and their brethren, being arrayed in white linen, having cymbals and psalteries and harps, and, and stood at the east end of the altar with them. A hundred and twenty priests. A hundred and twenty priests. Make note of that. A hundred and twenty priests sounding with trumpets. It came even to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were one to make one sound being heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music and praised the Lord, saying, He is good, His mercy endures forever, that then the house, the house was filled with the cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud. For the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Here we have another illustration or an example. The temple is built. It's Solomon's temple. Now the temple is being dedicated so that it can be inhabited. We see here 120 priests that are separated or sanctified unto God for the purpose of God. And they're involved in this dedication of the temple. They are joined together with all the others and they lift up their voice to God and they begin to magnify Him as they pray the dedicatory prayer and what takes place is the place is filled. It is occupied with a presence. A presence that was not there before. A presence that fills the place that they are in such awe of they cannot even stand to minister because of the glory of that presence. How fitting it is that there were 120 in the upper room on the day of Pentecost. How fitting it is that Jesus was raised from the dead and rebuilt the temple of the living God. Not out of brick, not out of mortar and clay, but the temple of the human heart. How fitting it is that they were sanctified and set apart unto God. In that place, separated from the traditions of the day, the religious Feast of Pentecost. And there they were, as these were, united together as one, waiting upon the Lord for this glorious event. An event that took the very life and the very death and the resurrection of our Lord to obtain. 
Is this event a minor issue in the mind of God? Is this issue a take it or leave it issue in the mind of God? Think about it. Wait in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. You shall receive that power after. After what? After the third person of deity makes his entrance not into the upper room alone, not into an earth-made temple built by the hands of men. You will receive this power, this mighty miracle force, this incoming of the fire and the glory and the miracle ability of God. After that, the third person of deity makes his home in you. And what we see happening here in Second Chronicles in the building, the edifice, is happening in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, not in the building, but in each of them. I want you to see this. There appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. I want you to know the glory of the living God, the third person of deity, sat there upon each of their heads and made His entrance into their very being. Yes, they spoke in tongues. Why? Because they were heavenly filled. Filled with the glories of heaven. Filled with the mind of God. Filled with the ability of the Spirit. Because they were filled with the third person of deity. The Godhead moved in in the person of the Holy Ghost. The Godhead had free course in their lives. He gave them, yes, a language of the Spirit. He gave them, yes, the languages of men. They were a completely yielded individuals before God. And God consumed them. God big within them. God gave them these abilities as an outward working of the inward life that was in them. We've heard it said often, God rewards those that diligently seek Him, not the benefits. I challenge every heart in this place tonight to do greater research, to discover the glories of this inward life, to truly recognize what took place on your day of Pentecost. Did you just receive a brand new tongue? Or indeed, did the third person of deity move in like the fire around the burning bush? Like the cloud that filled the temple that they could not stand. But now all of a sudden, that third person is in me. The human mind goes bankrupt right at that moment. Those words are spoken and the mind is bankrupt. 
You can't even think. You've got to tell yourself over and over and over again, wait a minute, is this true? Is he making this up? Saints of God, God's Word says that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost have taken up residency in you if you are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. You have been made the temple of the living God as God hath said, I will dwell in them and I will walk in them. He has not filled the room. He has filled you. He has entered you. He has occupied space in your life. You have become one with Him. One with the life of God. One with the power of God. One with the might of God. One with the mind of God. One with the ability of God. You are a new species. A new being on this earth. From the top of your head to the soles of your feet, God is inhabiting you. He is flowing in you. He wants to flow through you. He is energizing your thought. He is making your every cell full of His life. This is the work of the Holy Ghost within the heart of the human being who is blood-washed and spirit-filled. He is making you God-like. He wants you to walk even as He walked. He is recreating Himself in you. For you are the very righteousness of God in Christ. Tongues isn't a very big issue at that point, is it? For something greater than tongues you possess. Something greater than a miracle you possess. You possess the life of the living God. Look at this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if you would, please. Very often what we do is we preach condemnation to people to try to get them to live right for God. Man, you shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't fornicate. You shouldn't do this. You shouldn't do that. You sorry-looking thing out there. You... I'm going to beat you over the head every time you come to church with a baseball bat. I'm going to get you in line to submit to God. You ugly thing out there. You never pray, never read your Bible. I can preach it if I want. (laughs) Where does that get you? Angry with me and down on God. You want to know how Paul got people to live for God? He enticed them. He said, your body's not for fornication, or didn't you know? Maybe you didn't know. Your body is a temple of the living God. And God wants to consume you. God's got great things for you. He wants to live big in you. He wants to to manifest His glory in you. He wants to supercharge every cell in your body until you are so aglow with the Spirit when you walk down the highway. People will see and know the truth. You belong to God. He wants to let them know their potential. He tells them, look at this verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 15. Know you not that your bodies are the members of Christ? 
Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What? Don't you know that he which is joined to a harlot is one body? For two saith he shall be one flesh. He that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. You do not take Jesus to a house of prostitution. You belong to God. You're one with Him. He said, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man does is without the body, but he that committed fornication sins against his own body. What? Know you not that your body is the temple, the house, the dwelling place of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? You've been bought with the price. Glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Did you just hear what He said? Brother, sister, you house God. God is in you. God is holy. God is pure. And He's on the inside of you. And when He moves in, packs all His bags, He brings His character. He brings His life. He brings His personality. He brings His fire until He consumes you. And you no longer look like you. You look like Jesus. Can you see that? Let's stop warring with all this petty stuff. Let's move on to the big things. You realize what that is saying about you? You're God's temple. See, you had to have been there when that temple was dedicated and you saw that glory cloud. You should have been there in the wilderness when they saw the fire of God's presence. And then, on the day of Pentecost, if you would have seen that fire sitting on your neighbor, and all of a sudden, that little fire, that cloven tongue, then goes... And you look at them and say, man, God just went in you. The Holy Ghost is in you. I can see the fire in your eyes. Man, there's smoke coming out of your ears. Man, God just took you over. Look at your hands. I see a lot of shafts of light coming out. Sure, they spoke with other tongues. What else could they do? Man, God just moved in. Did you hear that? Are you getting this? God just moved in. Not in the building. In them. Oh, if that doesn't make you want to live for God. Jesus had to die for that experience. He had to shed His blood for that experience. He had to enter into the darkness of death, hell, and the grave for that experience. He had to be raised from the dead. He had to defeat the devil. He had to enter into the heavenly high court of heaven. He had to take His blood and secure our redemption. Then when He sat down, He said, I've got good news for you. I've got good news for you. You're not going to be alone. You're going to have a tenant. We're moving in. Get your selfishness to step aside. We're moving in. Can you see that? It's not a matter of tongues. It's not a matter of gifts. It's a matter of we possess Him and He possesses us. That's the question tonight. How much of you does He possess? Yeah, He's in me. I possess Him. But how much of me does He possess? I want you to know that God wants all of you. May I, again, make another statement to challenge you? Forget about your problems right now. This is bigger than your problem. Set them aside right now. Forget about them. This is bigger. Much bigger. 
God wants to possess all of you. He wants to ooze out your fingers. He wants to flow out of your mouth in word form. He wants to flow out of compassion through your eyeballs. He wants to use your arms to love. He wants to heal the sick through your hands. He wants your feet to separate from the world and its ways. He wants you to be His living temple. What's holding Him back from being so big in us? Our shallow thinking. Insufficient understanding of this baptism of God. Yeah, we think we got it all because we ran around the church three times. Man, I'm just so full of God. Oh, really? We're nowhere near. Beloved, we're nowhere near. I believe we're in an infant state of really understanding the fullness of this move of God into the human heart. If you truly desire this understanding, beloved, it's going to require a surrendered heart, a surrendered mind, in a surrendered life. You're going to have to abandon yourself to God alone. You're going to have to admit to God as a Pentecostal, and it's hard for Pentecostals to admit this, <laughs> that you don't know as much as He does. Amen. Now, my Lord, I, I speak in tongues, man. Wow. Boy, you got it all together now. You're really Joe Christian. You've got it all together. Why? Because we prophesied twice and maybe God healed through us. My goodness. How shallow can our thinking be? He wants us to stop the debates. Stop the trivial things. And He wants us to move on to a place of surrender. Yes, I have the baptism in the Holy Ghost. I speak with other tongues. I've been used of God to heal the sick, etc., etc. But you know what? We don't know anything about the life of God that's really in us. We don't have that full understanding of the third person of deity entering into our spirit nature, making us look like Jesus, changing us from glory to glory. We don't have that full depth of consecration. I'm talking about to where we are so moved in God that we're at the place where we no longer live, but Christ lives in us. That every selfish motive and desire that I have has been consumed by His fire. Where the work of God within us is so holy that we dare not step out of bounds even once and make wrong choices in life. Beloved, when I speak of the baptism of God, I'm talking about God in us until Jesus is revealed through us. That's what I'm talking about. Not just tongues, interpretation of tongues, or a miracle. I'm talking about the biggest miracle, you decreasing, Him increasing. I'm diminishing. He's getting bigger. I'm talking about to a place where He is moving in me, 
speaking in me, thinking in me, speaking through me, moving through me, touching others through me, because I have stepped aside and I have given him that place as I have brought my mind into harmony with his thinking. You see, beloved, on that day of Pentecost, it was a glorious day in the life of the Father. It was his longing to dwell within the hearts of his people. And the day finally had arrived. And I'll tell you what, they were set ablaze because God moved on them in such a powerful way after waiting so long for the opportunity, having to, to do all that he did in Christ. No, I'm talking about a soul that is in touch with God. I'm talking about mimicking Jesus in every manner of life. I'm talking about being so consumed of God that you can see the leper with the same compassion that Jesus did. And the touch of God becomes the expression of the inner life of God. Not, do I have enough faith? Do I have enough faith? I'm talking about the bush burning in you. I'm talking about the bush burning in me. I'm talking about the temple being filled with the glory so that I can't stand for by reason of the glory of God in my being. And I don't stand. I give place to Him. It's the baptism of God. Beloved, there can be no mighty work. And if you have written down any golden nuggets tonight, write this one down. There can be no mighty work of the Spirit of God until the church surrounds the baptism of God with the reverence due and experience so sacred and terribly costly. There can be no mighty, mighty work of God until the church, until God's people treats this experience in God with the due respect it deserves. Knowing it's a sacred work of God in you, in me, in the church. Knowing it cost Jesus his life. When I talk about the baptism of God, I'm talking about a fellow like Brother Singh from India who was one who before coming to Christ was religious and dedicated, sold out to his religion in fasting, praying, etc. He came to Christ. He found the true living God. He was so consecrated, so surrendered to God, so sold out, so dedicated to God, he chose, listen, he chose this kind of a lifestyle so that he could be filled with God, full of God. It was said of him by those that knew him, when you walked into his presence, there was an holy awe. And many said it was as if you walked into the presence of the Nazarene himself. There was an aura about him. You knew that he didn't live. It was Christ who so lived through him. Beloved, we have the nuts and the bolts. God wants us to put it together. God wants us 
to surrender ourselves fully to Him and be so yielded to Him that we begin to have a greater hunger for understanding of what it means to be full of Him. Not just to want a miracle. Not just to want to see a blind eye open. The cause is so much greater than the effect. He wants us to be consumed. I challenge our hearts this night. Let's not talk about walking in love. Let's let love consume us. Let's not talk about living by faith. Let's get so in God and God so much in us that faith is the supernatural way of life. Let's not talk about a gift. Let's be so full of God. Let's let every cell of our being be so full of the life of God, the glory of God, the power of God, that it flows out from us in demonstration of the life that consumes us. That's what Paul meant when he said, I'd give up everything and anything to experience the wonders of His person to intimately acquaint myself with Him and identify with Him. When we talk about the baptism of God, beloved, we're talking about total surrender of spirit, soul, and body. Total consecration, total dedication, total consumption of the, by the fire of God. We're talking about God in us occupying every space we possess. This is the baptism of God. You don't have to look for a miracle. You'll be a walking miracle. You don't have to look for a revelation. Revelation will flow through you. Are you seeing this? You don't have to think, am I good enough for God to help me? You'll be in control. Because greater is He that's in you than He that's in the world. Is this your heart's desire? Let's stand together before the Lord. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now. And I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.